Vox Quick Hits. Hey folks, this is Matthew Iglesias, Darren Lind, and Dylan Scott from The Weeds. I question today for, for Dylan, who just did a big project on this. What would you say is like your number one takeaway from studying South Korea's response to the COVID pandemic? To me, more than any of the specifics of their plan is the fact that they had a plan. Uh, in reporting out this story, I realized how important it is to have a plan and be able to act quickly and act decisively. Uh, because, you know, so yes, we did a story on South Korea, you know, one of the first places where COVID-19 popped up uh, outside of China. And we were specifically interested in, in, a, in how they set up a, a program to test people for COVID-19, uh, to trace the contacts of people who were potentially exposed to COVID-19, and to isolate people uh, who were at risk of exposure. And, you know, s- South Korea had been scarred uh, by the 2015 MERS outbreak. Uh, they had the biggest outbreak of anywhere outside the Middle East. And so the public really wanted p- the government to do something, to come up with a plan or a playbook uh, for how they'd handle the next pandemic. And that's what the government did. And when COVID showed up uh, in early 2020, it was their first chance to really put it to the test. And I think the importance of that is illustrated by one fact more than any other, which has blown me away every time I've come back to it uh, when reporting writing this story, which is the fact that uh, the U.S. and South Korea actually approved their first COVID-19 test on the very same day, uh, February 4th, 2020. But South Korea, because they had this, this plan for how to roll out tests and they'd recruited the private sector as partners, by the end of February, by March 1st, they were performing more than 10,000 COVID-19 tests every day. And in, in pretty short order, that first cluster of cases was under control and their outbreak was contained. The U.S. on March 1st couldn't even do 100 COVID-19 tests. That is how, even though we had approved our test on the exact same day, that is how much we struggled to scale up our testing capacity compared to South Korea. And so while South Korea got a pretty full picture of how widespread their outbreak was and they could start tracing contacts and start asking people to isolate, the U.S. was just flying in the dark. We, had, we couldn't even do 100 tests in a, in a country as big as ours. And so we had no idea where the virus was uh, or who might have been exposed. And, and we certainly couldn't identify the people who needed to isolate themselves. And so it really, to me, like that was kind of the whole ball game At that point, you know, because of that, you know, South Korea's initial success in rolling out tests uh, and and the America's kind of complete failure, they were on one path and we were on another. And so, you know, there was... Others, you know, they, they do have these, these, uh, really intricate programs for contact tracing and, and helping people isolate, but the U.S. couldn't even get our testing program off the ground. South Korea was really successful in getting its testing rolling. And I think that kind of showed, you know, that's, that's the divergence point between the two countries. And so that says to me that if you can act quickly and decisively and just have a plan, you're going to have a better shot against a, an infectious disease than if you're just making it up as you go. I mean, I think the importance of that um, kind of having an early signal success to point to isn't just, you know, it's not just a matter of like, oh, this is why the first wave wasn't as bad in South Korea as it, you know, ultimately became in the United States. But like in the United States, the first wave wasn't nearly as bad as the third wave of, you know, as we kind of go into being a year plus into the global pandemic, like the importance of having something that the government can point to and say, look, we know that we as a government, we as a society, 
society can do this well if we just all commit to these things or like and you know obviously in the south korean context that was forged in the failure of their response to the mers pandemic and citizens coming out of that by demanding we expect the government to be able to protect us what can you do to pro- to stop this from happening the next time but you know so much of what has kind of dragged on is this now protracted political debate over reopenings in the united states seems to have its roots in the fact that like there wasn't an early success or an early plan that actually panned out, right? The yeah. the early solidarity of voluntary social distancing from a lot of people in places that weren't particularly hit by the first wave, it reverted pretty quickly to government failing the people who expected it to fail in exactly the ways they expected it to fail. Yeah. Uh, and without having the kind of early success story of here's what happens when we all work together, you couldn't necessarily get people to, you know, either change their ideological priors or change their behavior. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's that that point is borne out by some public opinion surveys we saw uh, we found in South Korea that showed in May 2020, so this would have been a couple months after that initial outbreak, uh, nine out of 10 Koreans said that they supported, you know, the government's contact tracing and, and testing and isolating program, more or less. And, you know, I, I, over time, because the pandemic has lost, lasted as long as it has, uh, you know, I certainly heard from South Korean officials that, you know, people maybe aren't quite as cooperative now as they were back last spring. Uh, certainly like business owners have, have had some challenges, uh, when, businesses have had to restrict capacity during those uh, later surges um, in South Korea. But the folks that I talked to, even like a business owner who it sounded like the last year has been pretty rough for him, they seem to they seem to approve of how the South Korean government had communicated the threat to people. Uh, and they 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 appreciated how South Koreans, broadly speaking, uh, supported and accepted those mitigation measures. And I think it all does, to your point, Dara, it all goes does go back to having an, an initial success that you can use as a proof point. Um, because, you know, people, the South Koreans had been, they'd been really dissatisfied with the last outbreak response they'd seen from their government. But once the, uh, this initial cluster in Daegu was stamped out and cases quickly fell down to like even below a hundred new cases every day, um, you know, businesses started to reopen, people were going back to the offices. And so like they'd seen like, we had a threat, we were able to squelch it and that allowed us to go back to life relatively normally. And so, like, we obviously never had anything comparable in the U.S. You know, this does get to a place where South Korea and the United States are are very different countries. In the U.S., you had, you know, outbreaks initially in, like, Seattle and New York City area. Somebody in Texas might have wondered, like, why are we blocking down exactly when there are no COVID-19 cases around me? But nevertheless, I think South Korea did show that that you can build public support uh, and get public buy-in for these kind of mitigation measures if you can show people that they work and what they'll get out of it, which is getting back to a relatively normal life. To hear more, subscribe to The Weeds wherever you get your podcasts.